0: Welcome to Much More Much Year with Pup Duffy and Caroline, Lane, an Aunt Imagination production. Guys, I am here with writer-director April Wright. We're going to be talking about the new documentary, Back to the Drive-In, which it brought up a lot of childhood memory feelings, so it was, it was, it was a strange experience for me. Not in a bad way, it was just like, oh wow, I remember But I wanted to dive right in. The film comes out on digital platforms March 14th. And tell me all about it. How did you I know that you have a love for cinema. You have a love for places where you can go and see films. How did how did you bring this all together? (laughs) I kind of had a movie
1: family. Um, My dad had an eight millimeter camera. And so he would shoot films and we had like real to reel editing equipment. So I always had awareness and my parents would talk to us about movies and um, yeah, I really valued going to the drive-ins, going to, there were a lot of old um, movie palaces at the time that showed B movies and things like that, that we would sometimes go to that were in bad shape. And we also went to multiplexes. So Went to everything, and at the multiplexes, I shouldn't say this, but sometimes we would sneak around and see a second movie or a third movie when we were kids. Um, I grew up near Chicago, and um, it's, you know, in the winter, the weather was cold, so my mom would drop us off at the movies, and we'd just see as much as we could. So I do value those places, and I actually made um, my very first documentary was about drive-ins, about the history of drive-ins. I just wanted to understand why so many of them were gone because we still love cars, we still love movies. So I could not understand. Uh, I looked into the history and then I wanted to revisit the topic since I learned all of them are family owned. Even if they have more than one location, it's still a family business and Mm -hmm. they're really devoted to keeping them going. And they had a little attention during COVID and a lot more people went back to the drive-in like the title of the film. Um, But I wanted to go behind the scenes and show how much they put into keeping those places alive and why it's important. Right.
0: Absolutely. And I was sitting here thinking, it's kind of sad. My kids have never been to a drive in, you know, and my memories are of being very small. I grew up in Florida and that was not like something you were talking about the the theater palaces. And for people that have only seen movies in like multiplexes, like you said, and by the way, I'm sure you're the only kid that ever did that. <laughs> There's something so beautiful. And maybe I don't know if it's a, a bigger city thing, perhaps, but to see, you know, the the wooden railings and the the, the plush seats, the gilding of you know, it's just like, it's such a different experience because, yeah, I grew up with the theater, uh, you know, in the parking lot of the mall. I had those two. Which part of Florida did you grow up in near Orlando,
1: near Orlando? OK, so, yeah, Orlando sprung up a lot around Disney World, but there's theaters like the Tampa Theater that a lot of people know that they go to see concerts there. Or they go to see mm-hmm. Broadway shows and they would have no idea that was built as a movie theater because it's so fancy and so ornate. And I think that's what a lot of kids today might know them as concert venues or traveling Broadway venues. But then you're like, no, this was a movie theater that was this fancy and that could seat 5,000 people, believe it or not. Radio City Music Hall was a movie theater for, you know, a big chunk of its life. Um, You know, it just doesn't occur to us, um, especially now when we we watch movies on our phones or whatever, that people would build something that huge and that fancy for movies. But they did.
0: I'm well, driving, of course, <laughs> and and it's so funny because, like you said, these big, beautiful movie theaters. Because going to see films at that time was an event. Yeah, I remember the scene from from Annie, right, where he takes her to the movies, and it's a big, elaborate, beautiful thing. Yeah. Well, in the drive-in, kind of is. I think that's one of the points
1: in this new movie is that when you go to a drive-in, you're having an experience. It's not just about the movie. You're with your friends. You're with your family. You're in this really cool space. You're outside, and um, and for most people I talk to, um, they really you know, it implants a memory. Like you really remember going to the drive-in. You remember that whole experience. You can remember how the popcorn smelled or, you know, just people really, it creates good memories. And I think that's a huge difference because you can stream the movie at home. I won't, you know, I don't remember what I watched yesterday or last (laughs) week. It's all kind of the same, right? But when you go out to a place that's, you know, a beautiful venue or a drive-in, it's more than the movie. It really is having a good time and creating a memory and having an experience. Yeah. So that's a huge thing that differentiates it that I think helps give them a shot to to
0: hang on. Absolutely. And the thing about drive drive-ins as well is it's intentional. You maybe you were driving by and saw it and you went, hey, let's go. Usually it's planned. It's like Friday night. We're going to go see XYZ film at, at the drive-in. Mom's going to pop, don't tell him, but mom might pop, popcorn. <laughs> you know, we might have snacks in the car. You you got your, your blanket and your pillow to crash in the back of the station wagon to go. And I love to see a resurgence in it. Um, I spoke with Vince Guzzo, who's like, he owns the largest theater chain in Quebec. And he was talking about how COVID, like you said, attendance is down. They couldn't serve food even when attendance started mm-hmm. to come in. So out in the open, in your own car, you know, social distancing from your own family as much as you can. And the rise in, in attendance at these places, it must have been incredible. A lot of people got outside during COVID. Isn't that weird? Like we're yeah. supposed to but we actually, when we did go out, we were outside, we were at the beach, we were at drive-ins. I think.
1: Yeah, it's we, totally an unexpected thing. I don't think anybody saw that coming. And I, I know, like I said, I know a lot of the drive-in owners and it's so funny. I was out there. Um, a lot of them are part of an, an organization and I was at their annual convention literally in February 2020 before March 2020 before everything shut down and we were talking about how can we make sure people still know there's drive-ins out there, look for them and go visit them and support them and how can we get that attention at a higher level And literally Brad Pitt had just won the Oscar for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, where he was a character that lived behind a drive-in. And he even said during his acceptance speech that he went to drive-ins growing up. So we're like, okay, this is great. We got momentum. What's going to happen? All of a sudden, COVID hit and then drive-ins were just the only place you could go. And so everything shifted. Graduations were at drive-ins. Concerts were at drive-ins. Stand-up comedy, dance recitals, weddings, like everything you could have church services, everything went to the drive-ins. But uh, that's why I kind of wanted to show as much as they got it, attention, um, there was still a lot of the other problems that businesses were dealing with because they were at reduced capacity or they, they couldn't you know, serve food in the same way. They couldn't have people inside their snack bar because that was like going inside a restaurant. So they had to somehow create new systems to have them come up to a window. So there were a lot of um, A lot of changes. And then, of course, just not that many movies coming out that were going to the big screen. And thankfully, I think, you know, films like Top Gun started getting people, you know, back out of their houses again. And hopefully that'll just continue to go up. And there's a lot more movies coming out this um, summer, but it's been rocky. You know, I think a lot of people saw the. Buzz about drive-ins, and we're like, okay, well, drive-ins are back. We don't have to worry about them anymore. Well, you kind of do still have to worry about about them right. if you care about going out to movies. You know, you gotta you gotta leave your house right now and start to make your way back to those places um, if we want to keep them around and and let the studios know that we care about that that experience.
0: Right, and it's so funny because that can happen. Like all these people went out and bought RVs. And then the RV resale, you know, numbers went up incredibly because people were like, "Oh crap, I can't actually do this. I really do need to my job. You know, I I, my job came crap. You know, now I bought this fifty thousand dollar thing. Now I have to sell it. And it's like, oh, they're fine. Look at all the attention. Look at all the, you know, the visitors they got. They're oh, they're fine. But it's like, oh no." My, you know, my kid the other day, he went to see Ant-Man. He went to the theater. He didn't go to a drive-in. We don't have one. But I mean, you know what I mean? It's Mm -hmm. like, it seems like for me, I don't know that it's an older thing or a nostalgic thing. Like the newer generations. I don't think they, I don't think they have a clue, honestly, unless they see films like yours or unless, my God, my son has probably only referenced to a drive-in is that scene in Twister
1: right that's a good one (laughs) and grease a lot of people know it from no drive-ins from the movie grease because they go to the drive-in and john sings that song yeah so yeah i mean i think a few more kids found out about it even if it was a pop-up drive-in during the pandemic because it, it is weird when you think about it that they were so prevalent in the United States and there were about 5,000 at the peak and most cities had more than one drive-in. And that just seems really crazy to imagine. But pretty much, you know, from the 40s up through the 80s, if you were born any of those years, you, you probably went to the drive-in no matter where you lived, no matter how much money your family had, if you were rich, poor, if you were black, white, it was just like a thing that everybody did. Um, no matter who you were, you had that experience of going to a drive-in. And then we lost so many of them so quickly in kind of the 80s, um, which was because of, you know, blockbuster video, home video, cable TV, all these other things came into play. The multiplexes really in the late 70s and early 80s came into play. And there were just all these things that stopped people from going to the drive-ins. Plus, they were getting older at that point. And so they weren't in the best condition like they used to be. And, um, so there was a huge decline. And then I, I used to say that, like there were now generations of kids that didn't go to drive-ins and that's so weird because for, you know, 70 years, everybody went to drive-ins and now all of a sudden that's gone. Um, but now, you know, at least a few more kids now are, you know, are at least aware of it because of COVID, but it's more than just being aware if you want them to stick around and you have one nearby, you have to start going to it more often and just support it.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's like any, and it's a family business. It's a small business. It's like any small business, you know, it's not a corporation, you know, it really is just a family who cares about what they're providing to their community. So you, if you want those things, you have to support them.
0: Absolutely. And I do think, I think it's a bit generational for sure. There's a lot of things that are generational, but you know, what's hilarious is kids like teens or young twenties. And they're like. (laughs) <laughs> Have you heard of this thing and we're like, oh my god, yes, we used to do it all the time. you're just finding out about it. it's not new right <laughs> so, <laughs> there, There's a ton
1: of like yeah, I just invented this uh no, you didn't <laughs>
0: yeah yeah so we, had, we had jelly shoes when I was a kid you right know? <laughs> yeah. but it's it's so cool when they do take an interest in something that can be seen you know, seen as old, God forbid you know. Like us, but also to me, like you said, a lot, a lot, or probably most are family owned legacy to it. And my ex-husband owns his own business. And I know that every ounce of you goes into it. That's your thing. And I, I'm sorry. I don't remember which uh, family it was, but it was like owner, son, future owner. And it was the the little, the little one. And it was like, "Yes, yes, yes that's yeah. their, that's your, your legacy. That's your whole thing that you have decided and your family has decided you're going to invest in this. You're going to, you're going to work the popcorn machine when you're six, you know, Whatever. totally. and it's so important for them to succeed at it. Yeah.
1: In my family business, I think the other reason I was attracted to, to things like this, my family's business was a roller rink growing up. And so very similar businesses and my grandpa built it. My parents worked there. It was my first job working at the snack bar for a dollar an hour, which we talked grandpa into and eventually talked him up to $2 an hour. But, yeah. you know, it, 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 it does build character and you're dealing, I think as a person too, it helps you in those environments, not only for the owners, but for the patrons, because you're you're interacting with your community. You know, the people in your community, you know, the kids and I think those kinds of ties are very important, you know, and where we are now, where everything's detached and online and corporate, you know, then you kind of don't care, you know, but when it's like, oh, they're my neighbor, that's my neighbor's kid acting up, right. that's the, I think some of those things, um, are, are important as well, that it creates sort of this community environment, which I think we could use a lot more of now, like in-person community, um, mm-hmm. So places like drive-ins, family-owned businesses where they just are part of the community and the fabric of the community are super important. And I'm all about supporting places like that as much as I can. And, you know, drive-ins are, like you said, a big part of that. The kids, you know, learn and grow up in the business. And a lot of them, either either generationally, um, somebody has taken over or sometimes if the Direct family doesn't want to, it might be a longtime employee who has taken over the drive-in. Which um, who, yeah, their family anyways. <laughs> right, exactly. In a family business, the employees are family too. Exactly. So, um, so that's a lot of what you see happen. And um, and like I said, I just really wanted to show not not only from the point of view of being a customer, but pull back the curtain a little bit and just see what they do and how hard they work and the fact that. You know, yeah, the movie starts when it gets dark, but they're there at two or three in the afternoon and they're not going home till two or three in the morning. And it's just, you know, for 12 hours, they're making this great experience for people. Um, and they think it's important to provide that to the families and the kids in their community. And um, I think that's a really cool thing that that people have that passion. So I just really wanted to show their passion, their determination. <laughs>
0: But it definitely, it definitely comes through. And you're right about the whole uh, family business thing. And like you said, and we said, uh, employees that become family, they care more. Just my opinion, they care more that that things succeed, that things go well, you know, mm-hmm, rather mm-hmm. like corporate, forget yeah, about it. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to so, ask you, you mentioned um, filming and uh, the editing and that all of the, intricacies of like filmmaking did that enhance or did it ruin films for you <laughs> <laughs> that's a good
1: question um yeah that's kind of funny that i did have awareness as a kid i don't i don't know i think it's kind of both like i i um uh, for a long time for for many of like my teens twenties even into my thirties i would see every single movie that came out i would see every little indie film i would see every big film Um, this is sort of when you would look at movies listings in the newspaper for part of that Um, with some of my friends, you'd open the newspaper and just be like, okay, what movie do you want to see? Okay. Well, we've seen every single movie that's out. We've seen all these movies. What do you want to see twice or which theater do you want to go to tonight? You know? So I really was a consumer of movies, like just seeing as many as I could. And I just would pay attention to directors careers and actors careers. So I definitely knew I would be getting into this business at some point because it was just something I did anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I don't think I can separate it, enjoying films, but also analyzing in some way what I do or don't like or what's working. <laughs> uh-huh. So I think it's kind of one and the same for me. Um, and it's kind of funny <clears throat> when I became a filmmaker and started getting into filmmaking, one of the things I've also... Um, done for over 15 years was I did programming of narrative features for the Sundance Film Festival Mm -hmm. and I think that's just kind of that same thing that uh, that ability of sort of enjoying and seeing what the filmmaker wanted to create and and whether it's a good or bad film still enjoying it but also being able to sort of analyze why it is or isn't working so the fact that I sort of built up being able to do that, I think, helps in my own filmmaking as well. Yeah, right. that was very much a craft question, but yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, there we're going,
1: we're going and, there. And I kind of just, you know, this film, I did almost everything on, um, except, of course, the music, Um and the color and the technical things that happened at the end, but I did shoot this, I shot, I did all the drone piloting myself, I drove the country and shot it, I did all the editing myself. So this is a very personal film with all, all my touch on it, um, because I did so many pieces of it. And so yeah, so when I'm doing, you know, the shooting or talking to people, I'm already thinking in my head, what is the story? How might this cut together and kind of conscious of it the whole way through.
0: Yeah, very, very personal for sure. I was, I had written down this question, and then I'm, I did, I did that thing where it's longer, it's further away than I thought it was. But I'm going to say it anyways watching these, these uh, drive ins, and like you said, 70 years, you know, they've been uh, a staple. And it's not, I feel like the ones featured, they weren't rural really, but is it a small, smaller town thing mostly?
1: Yeah. Well, some were very rural. I don't know if you saw some of those aerial shots, but there's nothing but fields around a few of them that I shot. Um, When, well, the whole history, I mean, this year is actually literally the 90th anniversary of the first drive-in. The the first drive-in was invented and opened in 1933, but there was only about a hundred of them around until World War II. And then after that, when the baby boom happened and people came back from the war and there was this, you know, just sort of, expansion of the suburbs all these things kind of happened and that's when drivings took off it went from 100 to 1000 to 5000 very very quickly, so they really were everywhere, but they mostly were built on the outskirts of towns, but that is one thing that ultimately led to some of their demise is that the towns kept expanding. So the drive-in that was once on the outskirts and could be loud and, you know, be it, you know, it had everything built up all around it. And that's where the real estate became more valuable or having it there didn't make sense anymore. The ones that are left today, um, they're both. I mean, the one I went to in the film, The Coyote in um, Fort Worth, Texas, you can literally see the buildings of downtown Fort Worth just a couple of blocks away from that drive-in. So, that was one reason I wanted to go there. It was a newer one that is literally in a city, um, which is really cool. But others that I went to, like the Quasar outside of Omaha, Nebraska, that was a brand new one that they just built, extremely rural. There is nothing around it. Now, will Omaha keep expanding until finally that drive-in is absorbed? I don't know. Um, the what the Benji's in Baltimore um you know everything's built up all around that one that one's been there a long time but it's so popular it's stuck around the one on cape cod there used to be several drive-ins on cape cod it's the only one left um so i tried to show just a different cross-section when i with all the ones i visited i tried to show some that are old some that are brand new some that have one screen some that have seven screens some that are more in a city you know i tried to have every different kind of factor i could and Mm -hmm. as soon as i went to three or four locations i realized even though i'm trying to get diversity and all these different types of factors it didn't matter they all started telling me the exact same things that was super interesting i thought you know different drive-ins would have different experiences And then I was like, man, they are just telling me the same story. They're all having problems, you know, getting supplies. They're all having trouble with employees. They're all having, you know, so I think that was a really cool message to realize that even though they appeared to be different, that really they were more alike than not, which I think is also a good little lesson in general,
0: (laughs) You have, you have the theater in California and like you said, the one in Cape Cod and they have that commonality of the struggle.
1: (laughs) Right, exactly. And you would never think they would have the same, you know, the completely different for so many reasons, but yeah, yeah. The same struggle. Exactly.
0: So what I had written down was one of them opened in 2007 and I was like, wow, that's pretty new. And then my brain goes, that's 15, 16 years ago. so Mm -hmm. it's it's still a little old what do you know like what's the newest one that's opened uh you know there's a lot
1: right now there's a lot of activity right now um i would have to think about that like big built from scratch the quasar might be the most recent but there are a couple older ones that I showed, um, in the epilogue of my movie that were coming back and those both have. So like the TP in Sepulpa, Oklahoma, um, they have refurbished and are bringing back that drive in. And I think it's reopening any day now. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's an old one, um, that had just been neglected for years. There's a lot of that happening. Um, there's a lot of drive-ins changing hands that other owners are taking. And then there's some of them that are just hanging up the towel that that, that struggles too much and they're selling. Um, and I've been talking to some other drive-in owners and it's kind of weird because this is more activity than we've seen in the last 30 or 40 years that there's just old drive-ins reopening, new drive-ins being built, drive-ins being sold, drive-ins being closed forever, like just the the changing of things going on, the activity is just like you know through the roof. Um everything had been kind of just the same for a little while. Um and yeah. So I don't know what that means. I think part of it is good because um, new people coming in and reopening are putting new spins and new ideas and making them more modern. Kind of like you could see at the the Quasar that I visited, that they had retro snack bar equipment, and things they had gotten from old drive-ins. So it had that old feel and yet it was totally brand spanking new, brand new design. But so it's like, it felt old, but it was brand new. That was pretty cool. They had a laser projector. A lot of drive-ins have laser projectors, which are cutting edge people. A lot of people are like, well, drive-ins have old equipment. Oh, you know, this picture doesn't look good. It's like, no, a lot of them, this is two years ago, almost coming out. When I visited, I'm like, no, a lot of them had laser projection then that the indoors right. are just now getting. So sometimes, no, they're not behind at all. Um, so yeah, it's just... Um, I tried to show different things. And with these changes, hopefully there's new owners and new blood coming in that will come up with different ideas to, you know, just keep them really relevant now.
0: Right. I think what the Quasar did kind of helps me heal this rift I had because I love the old, you know, I love that sense of, to use the word again, nostalgia, that, that old feeling that remembering what it was like as a kid, but also as much as I love the sound to see the film go, I, I love that you have the cutting edge technology so that you be immersed in the experience and not, do you remember going to the movies and something would happen with the film and the whole, Oh yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And that still happens with digital projectors. I, I, when I went and saw everything everywhere all at once, the picture just suddenly stopped right in the middle and, you know, so it, it it's not immune to that, but yeah, with film, um, you know, you had to have, you had, you either had to build the whole thing on a platter or you had changeover cues going between like, it, it needed more attendance, right? And so a little bit of a benefit is you can program it now. It's almost like in a playlist where you're just dragging and dropping. First, I'm going to have this trailer, then I'm going to have this trailer, then I'm going to have an advertisement, then I'm going to show the main feature, then I'm, you know, they build it and then they just set the time and, and it so they like it because they don't have to be running back and forth to the booth and all of that but if it goes down it's a computer and it just goes down and they got to call tech support so that's weird you can't you can't be a projector you know mechanic like they all used to be they all i i showed a little bit the at the well fleet in cape cod i showed their speaker repair room you know, they had everything that goes into repairing and keeping their speaking speakers operating. And they all had that for their projectors too. Anybody that worked a drive-in knew how to repair a projector and knew how to, you know, feed that film and splice the film and do everything that needed to happen. And now it's literally program, press a button. So that's changed a lot, but the picture looks awesome with digital projection and laser projection outside on those huge screens. And the screens are huge. I mean, the average driving scre- screen is bigger than IMAX screens. You know, so it's like when you go, you're you are in a in a theater that's you know an outdoor theater, but it's definitely a theater.
0: <laughs> and what's so funny is like it tricks your eye, especially uh, watching the film. You're like, oh, it's so tiny, but up close, you're like, oh, okay. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. it's immersive immersive. yeah yeah
0: I think that's I think that's so freaking cool and you mentioned uh, Benji's I wanted to say his sign was my favorite it it reminded me of the old Disneyland sign like way back in the day yes yeah Mm -hmm. and there's something so I don't know like carnival or circusy without the you know animal abuse it is (laughs) but it's Sensation. It's the food. It's showmanship. Yes. The- yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely- mm-hmm.
1: So cool. Yeah. I think everything you said is exactly right. Yep. Yeah. And That's- interestingly, the guy that owns that drive in, his father was an architect who designed drive ins, and that was sort of a sign design that his father was famous for. And there's still a few other drive-ins around that have similar marquees that are that design. And every time you see one, you're just like, that's amazing. (laughs) It's so so cool.
0: And it, I wasn't there. I wasn't around then. But it harkens back to that, you know, that time period, the atomic age or the, and it's just, it's so cool. And I know it could be reproduced, but to know that it's like original and it was designed, that's so freaking cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it truly is. Yeah, I love those old old signs. And they do have like a newer neon now. And I think it's an LED based neon. Um, okay. For a while, neon was so hard to keep up and replace because it really was neon gas in there and tubing. And if they had birds settle in it, it would mess it up and all these things. And I didn't know what was going on at first, but a number of years ago, I just started seeing more neon on uh, things. And I'm like, what is going on? Like I saw a parking lot sign that said parking in neon. And I'm like, okay, who would spend money on neon for that? And that's when I kind of realized, oh, there's a new cheaper version of neon. And now you see things um, that are made with this newer, cheaper, easier to maintain neon. I can tell the difference because I've looked at these things for a long time, but the average person wouldn't. And I love it because it does bring that showmanship, that flashierness, back to a lot of signs that we see nowadays. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, I'm all I'm all for neon as much as possible.
0: <laughs> yeah, for real. And and it's so funny to to consider that, like you said, the neon gas. It's like if you break it, it's, it's gone. <laughs> You're yeah. done. Go
1: and and I think that was a thing with um, with drive-ins, which I didn't so much i couldn't show much show in this movie because they don't exist anymore but in my original drive-in documentary we really spent a lot of time talking about the neon and the signs and also a lot of um drive-ins particularly in certain states had huge neon murals on the back of their screens so it was just like you know amazing huge neon with moving parts and stuff and And so those you can see why those fell into decline because of the cost of the neon over the years. And that became one of the reasons that they didn't survive because eventually, well, you know, you got like one neon light still blinking and the rest doesn't work, you know, so that doesn't look so cool anymore. But yeah, that was a big part of it. And I'm glad some of them still have it now.
0: I say this all the time and I'm going to, I'm going to double down on it. Kids like us, we grew up in like the best time, honestly. We really did. I think there was a lot of cool things that aren't around today. And like we said, replicas, uh, new LEDs. But that that wonder that we got to experience a lot of times as kids. Y'all yeah. could know. <laughs> the well, kids, have kids,
1: a TikTok talk now, right? <laughs> oh. <laughs>
0: you can have all the tiktok you can have all the tiktok right like but that. we had you're right we had
1: we had a lot of things that were made to be special and um yeah cost and cost wasn't the only factor um in everything you know that that showmanship was a huge piece of things we even at my family's roller rink originally had a neon sign too that eventually got replaced because it was too hard to maintain um, so we went for a more simple sign, and I think that's what happened with a lot of these theaters too. When they had to replace them, they had to do something more simple and cost effective. So you lose a little bit of, the, of that magic, like you said.
0: But <laughs> uh, we remember, and sheesh for for roller rinks, my local, we thought we were cool for having like glow in the dark paint, <laughs> <You know>? right? <laughs> but- Enjoy the wonders that you have and, you know, that you can experience for however long, however short you have
1: them. Yeah, absolutely. And I hope people see this film and I I, I keep, people tell me they have this reaction and I hope they do, that it makes them want to look for their closest drive in and go find ah, a drive. have that experience, go support it. That's kind of the purpose. Just, you know, let people know, remind people or make them aware. And because um, sometimes it's just not in people's consciousness, you know, but once you know about it, you're like, this is something I care about. This is something I want to go out and do and enjoy and have fun, but also support something that I want to stick around. So, yeah.
0: Exactly. For the people that are going, whatever happened to this? It's like, you didn't go, you didn't didn't buy from it. That's why it's gone. We don't have learned anymore because you didn't go shopping, but you're right because I literally have Google pulled up and it's like drive-in theaters near me. <laughs> I'm like, okay, where are we? I think something you said way back earlier in the beginning—a uh, pop-up drive-through. I think you can maybe, add, uh, what do you call it—a uh, duplicate it or, or reenact it. You could even do it in your own backyard. Get a projector, mm-hmm. get a couple sheets. You know, hang them on the back of the fence or the back of the house yeah. or whatever.
1: You know, yeah, stuff. I, saw pe- I saw people I knew set up like during COVID set up backdoor drive-ins, backdoor theaters. And yeah, I, what I, what I've always said is like, there's a lot of areas that have gotten rid of all their drive-ins or most of their drive-ins, which is kind of sad. So then especially when COVID came up and that was the place that could be open, that's when a lot of these pop-ups now, most of them are not still going And I think part of it is that it's kind of like a drive-in light, like it's a taste of the experience. It's Mm -hmm. a little idea of what it would be like, but it is different because you're in a parking lot and there's certain things. When you go to an actual drive-in that is built as a drive-in, it really is a theater. It's laid out in a certain way. And And I always feel this way when I go to visit a drive. And as soon as I drive onto the parking lot, you know, like I'm in a special place. I'm in a cool environment. Something's great is going to happen here. It's almost like the same on a smaller scale, but the same as when you go to an arena to see a sporting game or you go to a venue to see a concert. You're like, it's just like heightened excitement and expectation. Like I'm in a cool place. Something cool is going to happen here. This is going to be a fun night. And when you go to a drive-in, it just has that kind of vibe that, you know, you're in a place that's going to be fun. And sometimes in the pop-up drive-in, because it's not designed as a theater, it doesn't have the ramps and it doesn't have all the little, you know, retro details or whatever. It's, it's a light version. It's a taste of the experience, but I hope. If, if you do that, I mean, obviously if it's the only thing you've got, it's the only thing you've got near you, but a lot of times it'll, it'll make you want to go see the real thing, go to a real drive-in and get the, get the full experience. And I
0: think that's what we want for people. We want you to want to go to these places because they are cool. They're super cool. I mean, to be my age and to remember, you know, me fighting, fighting in the back of the station wagon with my siblings, watching a movie. To have something in your childhood that makes that much of an impression on you, I yeah. mean, it's insane.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> well, everybody can watch it on March 14th on all digital platforms. What do you have coming up next? I'm working on a whole bunch of projects right now.
1: Um, for for myself, um, I am doing um, sort of a historical look at roller rinks which was my family's business and sort of the history of roller skating. That's another thing that's also had a resurgence from COVID. A lot more people are skating and posting their skating videos and all that. Um, And I'm also looking at bowling alleys and smaller like regional amusement parks, not the Six Flags and the Disney, but everybody used to have these smaller parks Um, There's not that many of them left. So those are kind of similar entertainment kind of topics. I'm also um, helping a friend finish a documentary about girl skateboarders. And I'm also working on a few other things, but um, those are a few.
0: (laughs) I feel like you like to stay busy. (laughs) Yes.
1: Well, and I think in this business too, like you, you have to work on a lot of things at once because Different things will get traction, or you're working with different partners and things might get funded and thing then the funding might not happen, and then you got to look for it again, you know. So it's just kind of this hustle business, like the drive-ins. You're always I, hustling to <laughs> make ends meet and put on that show. And um, yeah, the movies are kind of making movies is kind of similar. <laughs> Constant hustle, yes.
0: <laughs> like 10 things and they say no to nine, you're like, I still got the one. So yeah. I yeah. love that to take a look at like the smaller amusement parks because again one more when pup was a kid story my grandma used to take us to these little places around florida Mm -hmm. who what or who they were but all i remember is having a good time yeah florida Florida
1: had a lot of unique um roadside attractions and entertainment attractions and some of them are still around, but, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, there, there were a lot, especially in that state, just because of the tourism.
0: Most of them along like, uh, 192 have turned into maybe tourist shops. We went to, what was it called? Weeki Wachee. The dancing yeah, that's water. a good one. Mm-hmm. Those little types of things. And yeah, kids today could never, that's, that's what I keep thinking. It's like, Yeah, there's
1: still a few around. Some of them are like, you know, Santa's Villages or Storybook Lands or just, yeah, there were all these little small amusement parks that some of them stuck around a long time and became actually pretty big amusement parks. But, um, you know, a lot of them, most of them are gone, but there's still a few around you can look for, which are pretty cool and alternative, a little cheaper than some of the big parks.
0: Well, I'm excited for all of these projects. I can't wait. Uh, thank mm-hmm. you for joining me. It has been so much fun going back in the past with the film and with you. And I hope that you'll come back and talk some more.
1: Oh, I'd love to. Yeah, this was really fun. I really appreciate your questions. And um, yeah, if people want to find their drive-in, you can you know look them up on the Internet. Uh, the drive-in owners have an AuthenticDriveIns.com website that a lot of the drive-ins are members there. Um, And um, and we'll have listings on there. And like I said, because it's the 90th year of the drive-ins this summer, um, a lot of them will be having special things to celebrate um, the 90th anniversary of the first drive-in, which is pretty cool. Pretty
0: hard to believe. But yeah. How cool would it be to be at the drive-thru watching a film from 1933? I know. Right. That would be super (laughs) cool. All right. I'm going to do research. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Imagine mean, the first people doing that,
1: right? The very first one was in New Jersey. And then I think the second was out here in Los Angeles, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, there were there were a few around and then they grew from there.
0: <laughs> can can people follow you or the film on social media? Or is there a website? Um, yeah, I have a website that's
1: just goingattractions.com. And I actually need to get more info on this movie on there, which is on my to-do list, uh, but it will be on there. Um, goingattractions.com is most of my stuff. And then, um, yeah, I'm, I'm on Twitter and Instagram and all that as well. All
0: right. No problem. Well, thank you so much for joining me. It's been a blast.
1: Yeah. I'm thank gonna- you.
0: <laughs> it, it
1: just, it, it makes me happy to talk to people that like, see the movie and then care about it or have the memories or, or, understand like, you know, this is something I care about. This is something I want to talk about. This is something I want to let people know about. I really appreciate that because helping get the word out really is the thing. So thank you very much.
0: (laughs) Something you want to introduce to your kids and to other people.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We don't don't want them to go away completely. That would be, that'd be terrible. (laughs) And maybe if they even went up, maybe if there were more in a few years, that would be amazing. So
0: love to see like, a resurgence. I -hmm. would like to, I'll be honest, I would like to see a resurgence of film watching in general, because there's nothing like that experience of that, like you said, huge screen, hot, buttery popcorn, you know?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. it's an experience. And it, it just connects people a bit more. I feel like there's too much isolation happening right now. and so any any activity that sort of helps connect people in person I think is super important right now and movies is one of those things you know going to see a movie in a theater is one of those things for sure. So Absolutely.
0: there's something about the that like I don't want to call it friendship, but that relationship that grows as you watch a film with with other people. Yes, exactly You're like my best friends at the moment, because we all either love what's happening, experiencing something
1: together. Yeah. Even though they're strangers. Exactly. Yeah. That is a special thing. It really
0: is. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much for joining me. I hope you have a wonderful night. All right. Thank you. Bye.